0: Hello everyone, this is You've Got 5 Options, a radio show where we prove that 5 is a magic number.
1: Our experts will give you 5 tips on how to make your private or professional life better. We
0: will solve your life challenge by giving you 5 different options to choose from and
1: our guests will answer five exciting questions while live on Earth.
0: Tune in and feel the magic of five.
1: Hello everyone, this is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show, where we have the second episode with Jan Rezek. Did yes. you say it right? Perfect. Yes. Great. And I think it's even like Honza. I heard some people calling you Honza.
2: Yes, it's because in in the Czech Republic, Jan and Honza is the same. It's like, for instance, in the America, in the in the U.S., it's like uh, Richard and Dick. So yeah. not that is, my second name is really okay. Anyway, is Honza <laughs> like Dick? <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs>
0: So here we have a uh, Honza-like dick, and he is an <laughs> owner of Bioden.
1: <laughs> Okay, so (laughs) that's a great intro, guys. So we are here on the second episode with I'll stick to Jan. And uh, in the first episode, we started talking about expat entrepreneurship 101. And the first two tips that uh, Jan gave us, which was don't get discouraged from starting up a business by the administrative procedure. It's easier than you may think. And we have also talked about look for resources you already have. It's the easiest way for you to develop an expertise. And if you guys are interested in hearing those two tips, you can find them on our website, the five as a number, or you can find us as a podcast. Uh, You just type in You've Got Five Options. You can do the same on YouTube. So we highly recommend looking into those first two tips. And in today's episode, we are going to look into three remaining tips and answer some more questions from the listeners. And we finished the first episode where we were talking about resources and Anna was one very careful listener who really, really has a question she would like to have answered. So, Anna, go for it. Shoot your question. Yeah.
0: So reflecting back on the tip number two, when you were talking about focusing on the resources you already have, and we had all this discussion about investors, like why investor may not be the best idea and so on, so on. So I was thinking, you know, there are some businesses when you basically sell your knowledge, right? So you are a consultant or a trainer when you need practically your computer, your uh, website and your laptop. There is not much of an investment, but there are those businesses where you either need to rent a place like you are a hairdresser, a coffee shop or a recording studio, right? So you actually have to make some investment in a place and in some equipment, let's call it like this. And then, of course, there is a level number three when you actually produce a product and then you have to have a production facility. My question is, I could easily imagine that for group number one, you know, the people who are selling mostly their knowledge, it is quite Uh, simple to start with no uh, financial support. But for level two and level three, this actually will become problem very, very soon. What would you advise here? Because resources like network or an idea or experience may not be enough.
2: Yeah. So I will take this topic by actually putting you into the shoes of a person who wants to, let's say, open a baker, because you're great at baking cakes.
0: Sweet Jesus, mother of God, I knew that this will, you know, like backfire, com- backfire on me. OK, fine.
2: OK, so you want to open a bakery, right? Yes. What do you need to open a bakery?
0: To open a bakery, I would imagine that I need uh, an Owen probably to mm-hmm. bake, right? And some equipment, you know, like I I need to have something to mix the things and so on. Of course, I need the supplies. So I need the flour and, you know, all this kind of stuff and uh, a little place where I can actually do it. Well, technically, I can do it from my kitchen, but I could imagine that there are some health regulations when I want to sell it. I don't know. But those would be the basic things that came to my mind.
2: Okay, perfect. So we're talking oven, we're talking the space and we're talking some supplies. I can guarantee that majority of the people would consider renting out the space from the day one, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I in that yeah. case, we're already talking about the number two of you know of your mentioned level of business that you're already looking for funding because renting a space, especially here in Denmark, really tricky, really expensive. Then I will give you another perspective. I know a person, it's actually my precious girlfriend, who has this dream, who is a great baker and who loves to, you know, supply people with great and healthy stuff. She doesn't have money to open a bakery and I would even not let her doing that from the very beginning because first of all, you need to test. Again, why would you spend so much money on opening a fixed cost uh, physical place if you haven't tested your idea? So using your, your space, your oven, your kitchen is already a valid idea because that's exactly what she's doing. Restrictions actually are not that tight as you may think. And then she actually goes out. On uh, on the streets and selling with her self-made wooden trailer, you you see you see where I'm going, right? Even though you're thinking of, for instance, like being a hairdresser, why not to open an Instagram profile with you showing how you did a great, you know, stuff to your friends, and saying, hey, like, do you want my service? I can come to your place. That's perfectly fine. Do you need to open a space to to give a hairdress to someone? No. No, the space is already there at your customers. Why to complicate things by putting yourself into something that you can't go from afterwards so easily?
1: I love this idea. I love this approach. And thank you for really breaking it down. Because I also think if you go ahead with it and you try it out and test it, and then you also at the same time work on developing your network, you will actually potentially find some investment coming to you or being able to establish some relationships where
2: you can find that investment. Absolutely, absolutely. I, th- I really think that investment should be for businesses or startups after, like, first two stages of organizational development. I don't know how, how our listeners are familiar with the organizational development, but it's easily, like, you can easily find it on, on Google. There are a couple of stages that every single business goes through. I can only recommend book uh, Images of Organization by JP Morgan. Great book, seriously. And... There you can actually learn a little bit more about when is the right time to maybe seek an investment. But it's definitely not the first or the second stage.
1: Okay, thank you for that. Okay, great. We can, uh, you know, we can develop our investment later. But I think we can come back to tip number three, which is get a professional help for setting up your business right. It saves time, money and a lot of nerves. So tell us about that. That sounds like a good idea, but tell us
2: more. Okay, so I'll tell you my personal experience. Like I said before, people in my age tend to think that they know everything. So they don't need a professional or a consultant or a counselor, you know, you name it, to actually help them because, as we say in in the Czech Republic, they have swollen all the knowledge and they already have it all covered. I was like that. And I started BeWooden and we wasted so much money on unimportant stuff just because we didn't know how how it works. We thought we knew, but we didn't. And it proved to be wrong strategy, and we wasted so much money at the very beginning. So that's why I say there are professionals who can already help you and who can skip you through like first couple of years of development by just transferring the knowledge to you instantly. That's why I say, even though it may be really expensive for some to hire someone to help them, do it because you're not buying someone selling air you're buying those years of experience transferred to you and in the end of the day i guarantee you if you hire or if you if you partner up with someone who has been through this this uh, process him or herself the money this investment has really really high roi
1: so i would like to jump in here with the question from claudia which is very much very much tied to this step so claudia says as a startup, you always try to keep your costs low or you simply lack resources. How would you then deal with the part of getting professional to help you out?
2: OK, that's a that's a super valid question. and I, I would like to thank Claudia for this. First of all, in Denmark, we're living in a, in a great country of entrepreneurs, uh, startups. You can get counselors for free, actually, at every commune. Their service is so great that they don't manage to serve all. Okay. So you can get a help, but you will get a limited amount of help because they simply have too many people to, you know, help to because it's free. Then there are consultants, small consultants, you know, for, for, for small and medium-sized companies that charge money, but they do not charge extremely high amounts of money. So let's say there, is, there are consultants, for instance, like me, who charge not that high of amounts of money for, let's say, one, two, three months of guiding and sparing and counseling through which I can guarantee that I will save you those money and how to actually, you know, get those money. Let's say that you are thinking of, I don't know, spending 10, 12,000 for two, three months uh, sparing. Then I will ask you a question. You say that you don't really have resources and you don't really have money to, to, to buy this service that will, you know, help you start up your business. But you for instance go and go on a vacation in three weeks in, 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 in you know Caribbean and you spend fifteen K. It's all about priorities. Like if you prioritize, you will find the money, trust me. It's it's not small consultants do not charge that much for, for the service to, to not be not to be reachable. So it's all about priorities. It's all about whether you want to have the new iPhone or you simply want to save up some money and buy the service of the consultant.
0: I also think that when you calculate the hours that you saved because the consultant, for instance, told you some things or guided you and you didn't have to waste it on research, you didn't have to sit on Internet and figure out, you didn't have to read 100 articles, go to five free consultants and so on. People don't really think that time is money. In that time that you have got a professional help and you paid some money for it, you actually freed your, um, let's say, 20-30% of hours you have, which you can use on developing your core service or your core product. I think that people don't really have this perspective of seeing that the saved time is actually saved money
2: yeah you know what i I actually experienced one issue that i'm trying to crack and that is when i say something to 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 starting businesses i i think that consultants in general need to be really better at, at at explaining how many hours and how many how much stress and and how much money this particular advice can save it can be one sentence that you consider to be like absolutely normal and at the end of the day you will be like okay so i paid something for yeah some advices that may not help me at at, at like right now at the, at the at the beginning but you don't know that and that's that's why i think the consultants need to be better at explaining how this will save you the resources that you that are so precious at the beginning so yes it can be just one sentence but it can it can save you for instance 50000 in the first year
1: so Jan, you've mentioned that you yourself are a consultant that could help. So to all of you guys who are listening to it and you think that this young guy, he knows his stuff, he knows what he's talking about, you will be able to find the information about Jan on our website so that uh, you can reach out to Jan. And thank you for Putting that into a perspective, Anna and Jan, of actually saving up time, it's also saving up money. And Jan, you still said that there is some free service. So if someone like literally has no money and wouldn't go to Caribbean or even to, I don't know, to the seaside in Denmark, <laughs> because there are also people who actually have no resources yep. right now. So it is also possible to use free services in Denmark. Denmark is great on that. But if you are actually a person that could be a little bit more creative and think, think, about what are the priorities. Remember, like we often say here, getting someone with expertise and experience to help you is like getting a coach when you're an athlete. So that's a person that knows, that can see your blind spots, that can advise you and can accelerate your progress tremendously. So I guess it's also a matter of finding the right coach for yourself, the right consultant, the right advisor and so on, but definitely a great point. So if I may add one last Mm -hmm. thing,
2: I would like people to actually think of it this way. You're not buying those hours that you spent with the consultant. You're buying those years of experience that he or she previously had.
1: Thank you for that. And that with that big thought, I would like to expand thinking big in the tip number four. Tell us what's that all about.
2: Okay. So thing that I have realized in the last couple of years is that when someone is starting up a business, they typically lack in uh, self-confidence because they have no experience, right? So, for instance, if someone is starting up a consulting business, they tend to charge way too low because they want to get on the market and they want to just, you know, test the idea and they want to get some first clients. I don't know why, but people do not think of this as a, as a bad signal. If, you, if there is a certain price level on the market for a certain service or product and you go lower, like way lower, it's kind of suspicious, isn't it? Why would you buy something that is suspiciously, you know, make a marketing that is such a great product, is the best in the market, but it's priced lower than the competition? That actually sells, sends bad signaling. And I would like people to believe in what they do and what they sell, if, it, if it's a product or, or, or service, and then just do not underestimate their selves. That's the first thing. And second thing, thinking big is the most important thing when you are starting. I know that it's a cliche, everyone says that, but there is a reason why it's, why it's a cliche. If you're aiming at, for instance, I will put it an example, you're selling cups, let's say, coffee cups, and you set yourself a goal that you would like to sell 20 cups a year because you're just starting up and you don't really know what you're doing and you just want to, you know, test the waters. That's a bad thinking. Why not to say, okay, I'm gonna sell a thousand this first year, even though I have no experience and I have, you know, never done that before. And then ended up and then, then, you know, lay out a strategy and do everything to sell those, those thousands and then end up with, let's say, 200. If you aim low, your strategy will go accordingly low. Is it, is it understandable what Totally, yeah. So so I would like people to think big and take this cliche as a, as a really well-ed one.
1: Stoyan, who was our previous guest, he has talked about this outcome-focused and outcome-free approach. So I think that ties very nicely to it. Get yourself a very well-defined goal, outcome that you are going after, but don't tie yourself into the outcome. So if it doesn't work this way, you are not extremely disappointed. You don't treat it as a failure and so on. So I think if we think big, If we are like, I have my vision, I have my goal, I know where I'm going, I'm thinking big, but at the same time, don't put too much pressure and tension on ourselves so that the outcome must be this or else I'm um, failure. I think that could really be helpful for some people.
2: Exactly. For instance, I'll give you an example, not really tied to entrepreneurship, but when I was, when I was getting on the college in the, in the Czech Republic, there were some tests where you need to score certain amount of points to get into the program. And my program was, was kind of a tough one. And out of 100, you needed to score 93, actually. If you aimed at 93 to actually get there to pass the bar, then you probably wouldn't pass the test at all. But you have to you had to aim at 100 and then maybe end up at like 93, 94 because if you set up the the, the bar low, you might actually end up lower than you thought initially.
1: Okay, thank you for that. I must say that I have a little bit of this Thinking big for some people, it scares them and it brings a lot of fears and so on. That's why I tried to also bring this outcome-free base. And I think this might be a strategy that is good for some people and not necessarily for others. But that's maybe where the entrepreneurship gene kicks in probably Uh, so i i would say that i'm sure there are people who well i do agree with you thinking big is always a good idea meaning having a vision i'm not sure if setting up like very high goals for yourself if that serves anyone but i would have to think about it and reflect on it myself to give like a you know so my statement is but i do definitely believe that Thinking big is a good idea and especially that pricing part, because that that was the first thing that you have mentioned. And that's something I think people struggle a lot with at the beginning. Like I'm just starting. How can I price myself the same level as the experts on the market? And I think this is something that it's very difficult for many people to overcome. So like the best tip that you have for people to overcome this part of pricing yourself at the right level. What would you tell them?
2: Okay, this may sound a little bit loosey-goosey, but fake it till you make it. No, I I think it's 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 short and it's very precise of what I think about this.
0: I actually have to tell you, I had this discussion yesterday with my ex-husband, because I have actually one ex-husband. And I remember we were talking about some consulting services and I told him, yeah. Averagely, that's uh, 1,000 kronas per hour. And he was like, are you kidding me? This is like, are you insane? Who will pay for that? And then he started to compare his average pay in a corporation. And I started to tell him, Listen, do you take in consideration that a person that is an entrepreneur has to pay his own taxes, his own pension fund, his own insurance, own mobile? I started to talk about the costs. Then on the top of that, I added, do you know that one month you might have 40, 50 consultation hours next month? You might have 10 and you have to, you know, save from the month when you were on a high to survive the month when you are on a low and only then he started to realize why this price is normally averagely so high and many people when they think about you know what they earn in a in a company you know it's like comparing to a rate that a consultant takes yes but consultant have to take care of a lot of other things and also is an expert and has a certain costs and risks and when i started to think like this i stopped to have this i would say inner limitations that i should price myself low because then i'm thinking i will not survive i will not survive simply if i would you know go very low that's number one second of all i'm worth way more when you are sitting and you are hired when you are sitting at the desk hired in corporation and you get some money for something, you might have done that job, you might have not, because they cannot really check every single hour that you work, right? When you go to your client and you have one-on-one, for one hour you have to be completely present. You cannot fake that you worked, right? Because your client actually see you. And afterwards, he will either come back or not, based on your performance. In a company, when there is a lot of people, no one can check that. On that level, of course, you have your goals, you have things you have to do and so on. That's why maybe this will help people, because at the end, and this almost never happened, I convinced my ex-husband that this price makes sense per hour, you know, because he first he was like, this is ridiculous. After one hour, he was like, you know, actually, this makes sense. So that's why I think if you start to think in these terms, you will lose this whole, I cannot charge that much because then you realize how much work how much risk and how much additional costs you have to actually pay from your own pocket yeah
2: absolutely i agree on that there is one thing that i would like to add and that is your customers your clients do not typically give a damn about you having to pay bills and you having to pay for office and, and stuff like that. And I don't even think that they should give a damn because you're you chose this career path and it was it was your decision to begin with. What they should consider though that every single hour of consultation equals a couple of hours of preparation if the consultant is good enough. There is one takeaway that I would like people to to, you know, think of. It's not that, you know, I have my bills to pay. Everyone does and no one cares. It's the preparation. And it's it's those years that you pay for. That's why you price high. That's why you can take even like 2k for for, for one hour. Because in the end of the day, if you're good, it's going to save the client hours, money, stress.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think that this would be relevant for the customer. I totally agree. It's relevant for me. Absolutely. That's why it also helps me to overcome my own
1: pricing low because then it's like, what am I working for free? It makes no sense, you know? Yeah. Thank you, guys. I think your both points really complemented each other, both on the end of like, how can you think on yourself, but also how can you actually convince the client why it's worthwhile having this uh, price paid. And now I would like us to go to the point number five, which I find very interesting. Get ready for a storm. Having a great idea is by far not the most important thing. Tell us more, Jan.
2: Okay, this is the thing that I've been trying to tell people for years. Because like lately, in the last couple of years, there have been a lot of people asking me for help. And mostly their questions were about how to start a business, how to actually open it, and then how to go around the business model. And I always tell them, okay, try to take a step back. A little bit like you know reflect and tell yourself are you actually ready for this because there are so many things that you do not consider when you open up a business you consider whether your product will be good enough whether the pricing is fine whether the marketing channels are are the right ones you don't really think of i don't know things like that when you really are passionate for your business you may actually f- lose your friends because you're working multiple hours a day like a lot that was my case for instance you, your relationship may go off. And what do, you go, what do you do then? You may get sick and then you're not really like physically able to, to perform. Or I don't know, your, your, your business partner may obey on you. And this is not part of your business model. And this is why people should get ready as a person. They should first build the person, then build the business. That should be the, the procedure, not the other way around. You will not build yourself as a person while building the business because you have so many things, so many other things to focus on. So that's why I always say Mark Zuckerberg, you can you can have you can have the greatest idea ever, just like Mark Zuckerberg. But if you're not able to go through this hell and through this storm, and trust me, there will be a storm at some point, you will fail. So it's not just the idea that matters. Actually, idea is like maybe second or the third thing that matters the most.
1: I really love this approach. And actually, that was at the end of the day, that was the approach that has stopped me at some point of time, because I had an idea and I was ready to go with this idea. And actually, I was not ready to take the storm. I was not ready to come and uh, be able to face all those things that people say that happens to you when you're an entrepreneur. So that's a really, really valid point. Anna, do you have any reflections here?
0: Uh, yeah, I think we actually have talked about it also with uh, Rachel at one point, actually with anyone who has his or her own business. I read somewhere that 70% of startups and, you know, businesses that are self-owned businesses fail because of the mentality or a lack of strong mental um, capabilities of, of a person who started the business you know there is so many things that you can fall into stress can kill you you can get depressed you are right you can lose your friends you can lose your uh, relationship I think I read and I heard so many podcasts, especially women entrepreneurs, they were saying, I thought I will not make it. You know, I thought I had moments when I was laying down on the floor crying. And then you have a choice. You will either stand up and do it or you will say, I give up. I cannot have my own business. This is how most of businesses fail. Self-owned businesses.
2: That actually brings us back to to the topic of what it actually is or what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Because an entrepreneur will be by by, its temp, by his or her temper equipped to go through the storm and to really go through it and to pass this test. If you are having this romantic idea of starting up a business and then, you know, investor and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not going to work. I, 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 can, I can bet on that.
1: So guys, that sounds like a really amazing topic, like what it takes to be entrepreneur. And maybe one day, we can have it on our radio show as a separate program because right now we are approaching the end of our show and we have not managed to answer all the questions from our uh, listeners. So maybe we will be able to convince you, Jan, to actually give maybe a written reply to a couple of questions. Absolutely. How would you feel Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. So, that. Katrina, Myten, and Kathy... Jan has now officially on the air promised that he will give you a written answer to your questions. So still thank you for posting those questions to us. Thank you, Jan, for joining us uh, today at the studio. And Thanks. thank you, Anna, for all the valuable points that you have brought to the table, uh, if I may call it this way. And thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye you are listening to you've got 5 options radio show where we hopefully convinced you that 5 indeed is a magic number
0: to catch up with our previous programs apply to be our guest send us your life challenge or just to see how do we really look like visit our website the5options.com
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all folks.